Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of PA Pod. This is your host, James Newman, a PT turned PA student. I'm really excited about today's episode. In my second episode, I reviewed some of my study resources, uh, got tongue tied trying to think of today's guest. Uh, he's the creator of the Physician Assistant Exam Review platforms, the podcast, the website. I'm sure a lot of you know it. If you don't, you need to. Uh, it's my pleasure to welcome Brian Wallace as he comes on today to discuss his journey and what led him here today. Brian, man, uh, please introduce yourself. Give a little bit of a background for us, please. All right, James. Well, thank you so much for bringing me on. This is a ton of fun. I always, you know, I run my own podcast. It's fun to be on somebody else's every once in a while and not have to do the legwork and the, the back end stuff to make it all flow because I know how that can be. Um, so like James said, I run the Physician Assistant Exam Review podcast and website, which is basically just a um, medical review for PA students or people getting ready for their pants or pan re, uh, where we cover medical content. And then also a lot of background into uh, how to study, how to prepare, how to manage your time, all those things that help students get through uh, their day-to-day -day activities and, and really perform at their best. Yeah, and I'll certainly plug more of that in on the show and I'll ask you some more questions about that as we go. As we were discussing a little bit before this episode even started, man, you've had a pretty interesting career up until this point. Um, so let's start with, you know, kind of where you went to school. Honestly, I want to hear about where before you went to school again, you were telling me about some of your ventures before that as you flowed into PA school and then where you thought you were going to work as to where you are now. All right. So one of the things that I found when I graduated from college was I graduated with a biology degree. And unlike a lot of PA students, I didn't had no idea what I wanted to do with that. I know a lot of people went into physical therapy or into athletic training. I had no clue what I was going to do. Uh, my, uh, the, who, the woman who wound up becoming my wife was going into education. So I sort of followed her route and got a job teaching biology and chemistry at a, at a high school which is great, I love teaching, but unfortunately the kids weren't quite as excited about biology and chemistry as I was. Uh, so it sort of faded out on me a little bit. Uh, and so I was looking for something else to do and I had a lot of friends who were PAs and they sort of pushed me and I wound up going back and applying and getting accepted thankfully and getting in. I wound up going to uh, UMDNJ, which is now the Rutgers program in New Jersey, which was fantastic. I was really, I'm, looking back, I'm thrilled at uh, the experience I was offered there. It seemed like a, you know, a ton at the time and way more than we would ever need to know. Uh, but looking back, I don't think they could have prepared us any better. So that was just fantastic. Right. And that, that kind of plays into a little bit about what we were talking about before, where it, it does feel like there's a lot being thrown at you. And I, I really have heard this metaphor too many times or this analogy, however you want to put it, simile. It's like drinking out of a fire hose. I think that's kind of overused. It's true. <laughs> don't get me wrong. There's, there's <laughs> a reason people say it. Exactly. <laughs> right. But it's good to hear that that program kind of jumpstarted you to where you are now. Um, so you're currently working, you told me in Jersey, you live in Pennsylvania. What's your current job? So currently I work for a hospital system. I work in, a, it's actually, well, let me back up just a little bit. So when I first mm -hmm. graduated, I always knew that I wanted to be in surgery. There was no doubt in my mind at any point. I, I made my way through my medical rotations, gritting my teeth and trying to smile as best I could, but I had zero interest in medicine. I needed to be hands-on. I'm not a kind of person who can, I'm glad there are those people. I am not one of them. So I knew from the start, I was going into surgery. I was going into ER. I was going into something a little bit more hands-on. Um, so when I graduated, I applied for a couple different positions, uh, mostly with orth orthopedic places in the area, 
just by nature of that's what was handy. It wasn't that I loved orthopedics. I loved surgery. So I ended up getting a job in foot and ankle, which was great. And I got a ton of experience. Um, first year out of school is definitely difficult. I know I've been working with a lot of people now who are struggling with how much, you know, you think you got to the end and that's great. And you did, but now everything gets more focused and you have to start learning this, this little niche of information. Uh, especially, like I said, I was in foot and ankle. How much foot and ankle did you get in PA school? Not a heck of a lot, right? So it's a very little bit. Um, so I spent four years learning how to suture, how to drape out patients, sterile technique, all that stuff in great detail. And then I applied for a position. The local hospital had a position for a uh, surgical PA. So now I moved to a position where I help, instead of helping one doc in a foot and ankle practice, I'm now helping over 60 docs a year in all different specialties from ENT to, to plastics. We do C-sections, we do, um, and still do orthopedics. So we do all different specialties. There's about seven or eight of us in our little group at the hospital. Uh, but now, I'm, uh, so I'm completely multi-surgery, multi uh, multi-specialty, and I'm in the OR and that's pretty much all I do. So it's a little bit different than a lot of PAs because I have no office hours. I have no phone. I am just in the operating room and that's it. I mean, it sounds like the dream job for somebody who wants to do any kind of surgical procedures. You're talking to something pretty good. <laughs> it, it was for me, right? I know that some people wouldn't like it. I can make it sound really good. I can also tell you that, you know, I stand in one spot for six hours a day and I hold something and I don't move. Uh, so on the other hand, there are some days that are not so good or eight hours, depending on the surgery. I work with some great surgeons who are super nice, willing to teach, happy to have you. I work with other people who are not so helpful, not so interested in your help, uh, need you to be there, but resent that they need you there. Uh, so it's a lot of ups and downs. For me, it's, it's exactly what I wanted to do when I went to school. So I get a kick out of it, but it certainly isn't for everybody. Yeah, definitely the, uh, the ups and downs, the trials, tribulations you go through, especially early. And I kind of want to back up a little bit. I'd like to hear your take on the transition from when you were a student to when you were a professor. You talked a little bit about how there's this learning curve and the studying you have to do, like getting that first job. Like talk to me about how difficult or how easy that was for you or some of the struggles you may have had along the way. So one of the things, so I want to talk, let's, let's start with your, with one of your questions, which was getting that first job. One of the places I know a lot of people struggle and I did as well. And I'm hearing from a lot of people now who, when you graduate, you don't think you have a lot to bring to the table. You know, you're, you just learned stuff and you, you feel pretty good about yourself, but you also know that you have no experience. So when you go in for to apply for a job, when you go into interview, I've talked with a lot of people recently who Feel like they're in a bad position when they go into that interview like they're not in a strong position because they don't have a lot to offer one of the things i try to present to them is new grads have a ton to offer it's just not experience it's enthusiasm it's willingness to learn it's excitement um it's being a good team player there's a lot of things that new grads can bring that they don't necessarily see in themselves but i'm telling you from being someone who has hired people people someone who talks to a lot of surgeons who hired pas new grads have a ton to offer and they need to take that and kind of own that and run with it. Then you were talking a little bit about that transition. So once you get the job, I, I joke around a lot that the hardest thing for me right out of PA school wasn't the medicine, it was figuring out how to work the fax machine. I didn't know any of that stuff. I didn't know how to make any of these things work. I didn't know the medical assistants and x-ray techs and the, the people who are there to help me, the schedulers, all these different roles. That was the stuff that honestly I struggled with the most. The medicine's hard, but you can get a book, you can learn. You're used to learning that. 
I had never been in, a, in an office setting like this. I didn't know anything about how it functioned. I was going to three different offices. I was going to three different hospital, uh, outpatient surgery centers, all these different places. And it was building those relationships that I think was the most important thing and getting those, figuring out who was there to help you, who wasn't there to help you, uh, who was happy you were on board and who was kind of out of a job a little bit because you came on board and navigating those relationships and the same thing with patients, learning to talk more with patients and navigating those relationships as well and building that up. Especially as a new grad, you kind of walk in the room, especially if you're on the younger side and they look at you sort of like, all right, what are you here for? And it takes a little bit to learn to build up that rapport with your patients and to do it quickly. Um, and I think those, as much as the medicine took time to learn, all of those other skills are very, you know, take a lot of intensive time and a lot of you know, that first six months to a year, there's a lot of medicine, but it's a lot in those relationships and figuring out this new area to, to sort of work in. You figured out school, but this is, this is much different. Yeah, and, and you hit something that it hits me close to heart from when I worked in the clinic. Those front desk people, they are invaluable. Yeah. I mean, they can make or break your day, make or break your patient load. So, you know, if you, if you have the inkling to go get them something nice, I definitely would. They, uh, they're lifesavers sometimes. No, and, and like I mentioned before about being a, a new grad and what you have to offer, a lot of that is in getting that help and understanding that who the people are who, who can get you through your day and realizing that you don't have to do it yourself. There are people there to help you. They'll work you through it. It's, not, it's okay to not know things and to, to figure that stuff up and sort of flounder. But part of it is uh, that attitude that, be, that you know, like I, I work with 60 different docs in a year. Half the battle with us is managing those personalities. Right, so when I go to hire someone, when we talk about hiring someone for our group, I don't, I do care about surgical skills, but I can teach surgical skills. I can't teach personal relationship building. I can't teach how to be a good team player. I can't teach how to fit in. And you know, if someone isn't having a good day, how you can help them get through so they can help you. And I feel like whether you're in the office or the OR, those skills are just so valuable. And I have to feel like that goes both ways. As, as we go out, you know, eventually, hopefully one day I'll graduate. That's, that's the goal. Um, <laughs> and you go out and you interview and it's okay if you don't fit everybody else's mold, right? Like you go in and you find the group that works best for you. You find the mentors like yourself, the people who are willing to engage with you, teach you and help you grow as a professional. Yep. No, and I, I've talked with a couple of people from time to time who got jobs right out of school and felt like they were overwhelmed and nobody was there to help them. And honestly, my advice to them is maybe look for something else. Um, if people are expecting you just to fly right out of the gate on day one of out of PA school, that is not probably a good place for you to be. No kidding. Yeah, that pressure adds up in a hurry, especially with everything you're having to learn. And I imagine your your PA students come in, you know, you're you're a household name for our school and my classmates. You know, we love listening to you. You give a lot of great information. I'll plug some of the podcasts in here in a little bit. But I really want to talk to you about how you precept your PA students, you know, what that means to you. So one of the things, it's actually one of the things I, I like best at this stage in my career. You know, I'm, I'm, I say I work with 60 different docs in a year and I do a bunch of different kinds of surgeries. And I'm always like into surgery because it's different, it's new, you're always hands-on. But even so, I'm 10 years in now. So it's a lot of repetitive, a lot of, you know, so for me, one of the things that keeps it really fresh is working with the students. Uh, seeing people come in who are scared to walk across the OR, uh, who are terrified and standing in the corner and you have to coax them over. Uh, I enjoy that a lot. I think it's a lot of fun and getting people to come out of their shell. People who may not, you know, we've had students come through who like I was with medicine who have no interest in surgery, but it's fun to sort of get them to come along, get their hands bloody and sort of 
take on a role they weren't expecting to like, and not all of them wind up liking it, but some of them like it a lot more than they thought they did. And again, to me, it's the same thing when I teach the medical content. I do the same thing when I teach surgery. I like to get people involved. I like to get them up and moving. And I like to break down that fear, that barrier that keeps them from trying, I guess is the best word. You know, I get students who won't put their hands on the patient and it's like, no, come on, let's go. You're going to put your hands down here on the, on here. I put the scissors in your hand. I put the needle driver in your hand. You're going to do this. And for me, that's a ton of fun to watch them grow and move on. You know, even putting in Foley's and all that kind of stuff watching people who are terrified get through it, understand that it's fine to screw up and make mistakes, and we've all been there, and then get them through it and see that, and watch them sort of grow throughout the process. For me, that's just a ton of fun. And that's incredibly encouraging, because I can tell you right now, looking ahead, I have areas that I know I'll be pretty good in, you know, not trying not to be overconfident, if you will, yeah, but sure. there's definitely a lot out there that's going to knock me on my butt. And so as a student going in, and you having been with a lot of students, you know, what are some of the expectations you have and, you know, how do you gauge whether a student is, is learning and growing? Perfect. So it's funny because the, the bar to do okay in a rotation is really low, right? It's, it's show up when you're supposed to show up. Pretend like you're interested. At that point, you're going to do just fine. But what we're really looking for, especially for me in surgery, is are you moving to the next level? So I'm not expecting you to know what we're doing. I'm not expecting you to even know the surgeries or the cases. A lot of times our schedules change minute to minute. You get thrown into something. I don't expect you to have the anatomy down. I really don't. You know, you'll get quizzed on that, but no one's, you know, no one's really expecting you to be a genius in all these areas. What people are looking for again is that relationship building. It's is this person interested in learning? Is this person an interesting person to be around? And how are they participating even in their limited role? So one of the things I, I immediately tell uh, in the OR is there, there are things you can do to be helpful. So when you have a bunch of, of the easiest way I can say this is in the, in the operating room, students are kind of in the way, right? You're slowing things down. I love to have you, but not everybody does. They're trying to get through their day as easily as they can. And having a student, someone to teach, kind of takes away from their day, which is fine. You're there, everybody knows it, it's okay, but that's the reality of the situation. So what I try to teach people to do is, how can you help alleviate some of that, right? So can you put the SCDs on the patient when they come in? Can you go get the blankets for the, the warm blankets for the patient when we're done with surgery? Can you go get your own gloves and bring them over? And there's all these little teeny things you can do that don't seem like much, but they get you into the system. They get you to be part of the team. And then that, what that does is it gets you further and further into the learning experience. And if you do those things in my setting, me or one of the other PAs or the surgeons are much more likely to get you, let you suture, let you get your hands bloody, let you put your, you know, let you do the more interesting things. If you can get over that initial hurdle of, being part of the team in any small way you can. So that's something we really look for is how do you participate as a team member? How do you take ownership of the next level? You know, if I, or if we ask you to do something, what's your reaction to that? Is it, is it a, oh, I, don't, I, I can't do that, I'm not really sure, or is it just a confident, you know, I'm not exactly sure how to do this, but I'd be happy to give it a try. That's really what, we're, what you're looking for as a preceptor. It's that willingness to put an effort, that willingness to participate, you know, and even for the people who you know aren't going into surgery, just faking a little bit of interest goes a long way. 
Right. The, uh, a lot of, a lot of very important people in my life have told me that the number one thing you can do is just show up, just be where you say you're going to be. And it goes yeah. a long way. No, that for us, that's the, that's the, like I said, that's the low bar. The low bar is show up when you say you're going to show up and you will pass, you will do just fine. Um, but I know, you know, from experience, even in places you don't want to be, even like I said, on my medicine rotations, which I didn't love, I still played all out. I still tried to learn what I could. I still did. You can get things like, for example, learning to talk to patients, even though I don't like medicine, I was going to go into surgery. I'm still have to learn how to talk to patients. So you can learn those kind of things. You can look for the parts that are interesting to you and just play those parts up and do the best you can. And, and that'll get you a really long way. Again, man, that's just encouraging to hear because I've, I've told you this several times already, man. When you, when you give us these tidbits of we don't have to be perfect, it, yeah. it really gives us that confidence to say, okay, I'll try something different. You know, even if, even if it's not right, I've got somebody next to me to say, hey, keep trying, do some research, you'll get it right next time. Well, and one of the things I realized, and this is specific to surgery, but it also pertains to, I think, other rotations and other specialties. I, I also, as you can imagine, teach the nurses and teach the scrub techs how to do things. And I had one particular nurse who's fantastic and she scrubs in, but she's very nervous and she's always a little timid and I'm trying to push her and push her and push her to do more. Uh, and she's always holding back. And I finally said to her, listen, I'm not gonna put you in a position where I can't fix any mistake that you've made. You're not gonna do anything worse than something I can take care of. I won't let that happen. And that helped her a lot. And it's something I think PA students in general need to understand. You're not gonna kill anybody. You're not gonna hurt anybody. Nothing horrible is going to happen. There's somebody there with you. You're gonna be fine. So if someone asks you to do something, just give it a shot. I mean, that's really all they're looking for. They're not looking for perfection. They're looking for some interest and for you to try. It's funny you say that. I think one of my classmates today was saying, she was talking to her, her mentor and her question was, you know, when do, I, when do I start feeling like I'm not gonna kill somebody? <laughs> It goes away eventually. It takes a while. You know, because you're and, uh, you know, thinking you're going to kill somebody. You're going to, it's going to be okay. Right, right. I think we, we get over that initial feel, but fear, but it, it's good to an extent. It, it drives you that little bit of a you stress, that good stress is there to make sure you know, you're up and up and doing the things you're supposed to be doing. So as, as we've talked about this job search and kind of how that goes, you, you were telling me something interesting uh, about how you have something releasing in April. And uh, I think it's going to help a lot of PA students who are graduating, coming out, and in their job search. Will you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so what I've been putting together is a, it's a, what I call a dream job package. And it's a, it's, it expands a lot on a little bit of what we talked about today, which is I think a lot of PA students struggle looking for a job when they come out of school and think they're sort of stuck in whatever they can get. Um, and I've heard a little bit more of that in the past year or two with everything that's been going on. And what I want to do is show them that there's a whole lot better, easier way to find what you're looking for, both to find the job that you want and then to create a situation where you are, you come across as maybe the only candidate in a lot of cases, but very likely the best candidate, even as a new grad, um, both from how you apply for the job, there's specific steps, and then how you interview, there's specific things you can do. I talk with a lot of surgeons who are hiring and I'm stunned at the stories they come in with, telling me about people who show up either late or frazzled or aren't even sure what job they're applying for, in what practice, you know, in what specialty they're going to be in. And I'm, I'm stunned at all this, but obviously it's happening because I, you know, I live in a small town and I hear about it a lot. Um, so I go through a lot of that and how to interview, what some best practices are to get 
create that rapport we've been talking about in other situations, but it's another time you need to be able to create that rapport with people is in that interview process and how you can do that in the fastest, way, fastest ways. So I go through a whole bunch of different methods I have for getting you from finding a job, which rather than doing job searches and job boards, which I was just talking with somebody recently who's, who's posted it, applied for a job on Indeed that had 500 applications put in for it, which I don't know how you stand out at that point. Seems, I don't even know why you'd bother, but she was pretty desperate. Um, so I, I just go through some better ways to handle that situation, some better ways to handle the introductions, some ways to create that rapport during an interview, and then to really lock that in, and especially as a new grad. So that's what that, uh, that package is all about. And yeah, so I, I've, I'm really excited about that because again, I think people graduate from school and then they think, okay, this is great, I, I'm done. And I so wish that was the case, but it's fine at the job and in that first year, and then you're sort of done after that. You can cruise for a little while. Man, that's exciting. And uh, I, I can tell you that's something I will definitely utilize coming out of school. You know, I know it'll, it'll be refined at that point. It'll be something I can look at. You know, everybody feels like they've got their strong suits and their strong skills, but you can always learn. You can always be better. I'm here doing a podcast. I'm a PA student. I like seeing people. I like working with people. This is where I, I consider myself to shine a little bit, but something like that can always set you up for success. And that means just being a little bit better than the other person applying. Mm -hmm. You got to do it. Nope. And that's exactly it. It's how do you get, and that's a lot of what I teach through the website and everything else. You know, hang on just a second. The, the sun's setting on me and I'm starting to disappear here in the dark. It's fine. Um, and I just lost track of what I was going to say. Um, we were talking about, oh Lord, <laughs> I was saying how uh, you get better with the, uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. process and work on your skills. Right. So it, it's all just incremental growth, right? It's just that little bit of getting better every single day. And that's a lot of what I try to teach at Physician Assistant Exam Review. Um, one of the other things that I host is the Physician Assistant Exam Scholars Program, which is something that goes a little bit deeper into a lot of these topics. It's a monthly newsletter, a physical newsletter that I mail out every month uh, that goes out. I'm actually adding an audio component, adding a lot to it this year. But the point of that is it, it goes, I can only go so deep in the podcast. I do a little, little tidbits of study tips and things and, and in the email system and everything else where in that, in that newsletter, I go a lot deeper, but the point is it's continued growth. It's not a one-time thing. It's always that incremental. How do you get a little bit better? How do you get a little bit better? So when it comes to studying, when it comes to looking for a job, when it comes to um, taking tests, for example, all of those things are skills that you can get better at. Everyone thinks like, oh, they're good at talking to people. Oh, they're good at test taking. Oh, they're better at studying than me. That may be true, but it doesn't mean you can't move, right? You can't move up or down in those skills. And those are skills you're gonna need for long periods of time, which is why, like I said, I put together the scholars newsletter was I wanted to see that incremental growth over time. It's not something you're gonna get in one day and instantly be a superstar at test taking or whatever it is but it's that slow growth over time that I think is so important, no matter what those skills are. Yeah, I think uh, personally, I'm, I'm hyper aware to that, you know, growing up as a student athlete, you know, my father really harped me that if, if you're not going up, you're going down. Yeah. And that was obviously very extreme in a lot of manners and, you know, bless his heart. He was doing his best for me. Um, for those that don't know, I'm from the South. We use the, the phrase, bless your heart and things like that. I say y'all a lot, you know, just, going to have to get used to it. Um, but it, in a sense, it is true. Like every skill you have that you're good at, 
you still need to refine over time. You still need to improve on. And then the skills you're not so good at, you find those supplements you need. And for, for example, here, your podcast, you know, I've been, I've been hinting at it all episode. I know a lot of viewers want to know about it. They've heard a lot about, you know, what got you going with it. And for everybody that's listening, he, he does a really good job of opening you up with these priming questions that really get your gears turning, get the mind rolling before he rolls into the topic that day. The episodes are very easily laid out at Physician Assistant Exam Review Podcast. And then he hits highlights. He says several times throughout his podcast that it's not about getting into the weeds. And that's such a huge study tip that I've heard him preach on a few times. And I completely agree with it. It's helped me a ton through my first three blocks. Um, and going into it, it's nice to have a good focus understand that you know sometimes you're just trying to pass a test at the end goal at the end of it all is to learn it retain as much as you can but you have to pass that test for now and i think you do an excellent job of again priming students for that priming professionals for that with the pan re and the pants that's coming up and then at the end he likes to throw in these really cool study tips and study habits and going back i believe that physician assistant exam scholar that you send out monthly is that the same as the newsletter yes yeah yeah and he includes a lot of that throughout the newsletter, which is really easy to sign up for. If you just go to physicianassistantexamreview.com, you'll see it. It's real easy. You pop your email in and you'll get these newsletters. To, it, it, it's such an easy way to have success. I mean, we're always looking for free things as students, right? Like Even as professionals, I'd assume. You're looking for something to kind of jump you into a position that's going to help you succeed. Um, I think that that generally covers a lot of the episodes and how you got into the weeds of it, man. But like, why, why did you start that to begin with? What kind of sparked that interest? With the podcast, do you mean? Mm -hmm. um, so honestly, it was, and I can't remember for the life of me if we talked about this before the interview started or if we, if we started this now, because uh, we spent a couple minutes beforehand getting to know each other. Um, I really like teaching, right? I really enjoy the education process. I like sharing knowledge. I like taking things that are hard and breaking them down and making them easy. And especially for people who either think that they're too hard for them to learn or think that they're inaccessible, um, that's the part I like. Um, so that's really where the podcast came in is, is it wasn't even the medicine. It was, all right, I wanna do a podcast teaching something. What do I know? And I was like, well, wait a minute. I'm actually a pretty good at being a student. I like medicine. I like what I do for a living. And I helped a lot of people throughout school with that same process, with breaking down information, with making things easier, with, with teaching them uh, different ways to retain information. So I just decided that I really want to do a podcast. I already do this stuff. Why not just combine them? And, it, and, and the other side of that was I was getting ready to take my panry, uh, my research, and I needed a way to jumpstart my study and get me going. So I figured, why not just share my notes as I was doing it? And that's sort of where the whole thing started out. I was actually, when I first started, it's funny, I was terrified that students might listen to it because you guys actually know a lot more medicine than I do, you know, than people who have been practicing do. Down, like you said, down in those weeds, down in those details, um, you know, which if a medication is you know, it has been replaced by something else in the last six months, I'm not going to necessarily know that information because I'm in surgery. I'm not in, uh, in medicine. So some of that stuff, like I said, I was terrified of students when I first started because of that specialty. Um, but as I've, you know, as I've done this longer, it's gotten easier. Uh, you know, you make mistakes here and there and that's okay. And people do reach out and correct me, which is great. I love that the community helps me to police some of that stuff and fix some of that stuff. But that's really how it got started. It was more of a fun side project for me, some, an outlet for me to do which is why I've been able to keep doing it for so long is because it really was something that I found to be a lot of fun. And the community that's built up around it keeps it 
keeps it a lot of fun. And the people who reach out and like yourself, let me know that, hey, I am listening to it. Yeah, you know, it's helped me through this. It's helped me through that. That feedback is important. It does keep you, you know, as much as I like doing it, it's always nice to hear that other people are finding some value. And I can only imagine the slew of <clears throat> feedback you get. It, it's, it's awesome. I mean, honestly, because you make some real world examples. You talk about your kids. I had my derm block first and you had stories for everything that was going on, kind of like my professor's doing it. It helps to put a face with the pathology as you're trying to figure out what all is going on. Um, and you really help just condense the information to chewable bites. And then we can learn more as we go on. That first exposure is so big. And when you have it like you set it up, you know, whether it's 100% right because, you know, you've got all the medications in line or whether we've just had a recent change, I don't think that's as important as just getting exposed to these terms, this material and hearing it repetitively. Well, it's that and it's getting comfortable with things, right? I've come into, in the last year or two, an education, a memory model that is, a, is geared towards creating a lattice work of memories and how you connect things helps you to remember them. And, and it's this putting the pieces together as opposed to memorizing independent facts. Holding on to independent facts is almost impossible, right? You can study for a test and then the stuff disappears in the next day. But once you connect it, once you know someone who has a disease, once you know someone who's been treated with something, once you have those little connections, they hang around a lot longer. So I, I believe strongly in that storytelling, big overview, and then get it tighter as you learn it. But if you try to learn every detail right out of the gate, I don't think you learn anything. And that's something that people, some people don't like about my style is they're like, oh, you know, you don't go down deep enough. You don't have enough. And I feel like you actually walk away with more when you back off a little bit. I'm not saying the details aren't important. I'm not saying you don't need to know them. I'm not saying they're not gonna show up on your exam. They very well can, and they probably will. But if you don't start with the big picture, it gets really hard to hold on to those thousands and thousands and thousands of details. Uh, so I just think that's a better learning model. And again, that's not for everybody, but I think for, for a lot of people, if they've never been exposed to that, I, you know, to, to those ideas and that there are different ways to think about about it. That to me is one of the interesting things that you don't realize how many different ways you're used to doing really well throughout school. And most people just, as if, when they get to PA school, have blasted through with pure brain power and can do it. As it gets harder, you start to need techniques and you start to need different ways of doing things. And, and, and I think to me, again, that's one of the things I find really interesting about doing this is that learning, that education part of this whole piece. Yeah, and, and as we're kind of wrapping up here towards the end, I, I think it's important for you to kind of lay your platform out for us, not, not in a huge way, but in a sense of like, for example, myself. I'm, I'm a pretty new PA student. I'm in my third block. I'm in my third month. I've got a million resources people are throwing at me. Um, they're all in a good place. <laughs> I promise they all mean well. But I found it better to pick a few and run with them. So for yours, with the physician assistant exam review, you know, what's the best way to utilize that? And, and I can't guarantee to anybody out there that you know, using his, his platform is gonna get you an A and ace everything and do it all in the world. You're probably gonna need several pieces. It takes a village. But the best way to, to synthesize the information you have and the best way to use it. All right, that's actually a great question because it is a little sporadic and there's a lot of stuff out there. Um, and my stuff too, because of the way it was built, uh, is all built in on top of itself. So it started out, like I said, as the podcast. So that's the easiest place is I go through, I go through the entire blueprint in the podcast, which is physician assistant exam review uh, podcast. You can find it anywhere. Um, and I go and I walk through the blueprint, right? 
and I cover all the information there. And then like you said, uh, what I try to do is stimulate you in a couple of different ways. And most, and some of you see it coming, some of you don't even realize I'm doing it, but by storytelling, by asking those, those questions at the beginning, all of that helps you to hang on to that information even longer. So that's kind of the, the beginning piece. From there, my favorite part, like you said, I also include a, usually one study tip in there as we go um, to sort of move things along. The part that I really enjoy though is like I said, the education piece, the study piece, and once you get into the email system, so once you go over to the website, I encourage you to, to sign up for the emails. And in there, I usually write between five and seven, sometimes more emails per week, covering study tips, techniques, um, different little pieces of the puzzle, whether that's in, um, whether that's how to study, whether that's how to take tests, whether that's how to handle rotations, whether that's looking for a job, all those things wind up through that email system. So I can't encourage you enough to get in there if you resonate with the podcast, if you resonate with my style. That's really where there's a lot more in there. And then the next step really is what I was talking about earlier. And I think you and I sort of confused, and I think it's part of the problem some people had, is the, the scholars program, which is that then monthly newsletter that goes out. It's a once a month print newsletter that gets mailed out to your house that goes down deeper into the into that content and then gives you a little bit more access to me to go through questions and answer things specifically for you. Uh, and those are sort of the three, three kind of levels of the information that I have. Now I do a lot of stuff on top of that. Some of your classmates probably have the final step, which is a question review book that I put together for the pants, but it also works great for medicine courses. And again, that's, it's very specific. You talk about having a ton of different resources. That one fit into a niche that I couldn't find, so I wrote it. Um, it's very short, punchy questions, almost like flashcards, the, the least amount of information you could possibly get into one question, but the most important things in each topic setting. And so that to me fit into a section that other people didn't have books for, right? I'm not going to put together an entire review book. I think there are 50 great ones out there that people recommend me all the time and that I use and I think are fantastic. That wasn't my motivation. It was to try to find these other little areas that people weren't covering and how do I help in those areas? So again, that was the, the, the medicine is there in the podcast, but the, the deeper stuff is in the emails and then in the scholars program where I can teach you over long, longer periods of time how to build up those skills. That's a great overview. And it's funny, I, I just remembered this. I use Smarty Pants as another one of my resources and I was scrolling through my ENT section and it actually linked your podcast in one of the sections of Smarty Pants. So you're already in the review book. You don't need to make one. Yeah, you're, Stephen and I got, um, he actually asked me a long time ago, years now probably, if, he'd, if I'd mind if he included it in there. And at that time, that's fine. I've loved the more people who can get access to it, the better as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, man, we, we've covered a lot. Um, I think, honestly, it's all been great. I, I can't see why anybody wouldn't benefit from this, you know, whether you're a student, you know, whether you're a new grad, whether you're studying for your pan re or just need a touch up, a brush up on a certain field, you're changing settings and you're kind of like, ah, you know, like I think the orbit has, you know, whatever in it, you know, th those little tidbits that help get you back on track. So for anybody that's listening, um, we, we've had a lot of fun recording this and there's a lot in here. It's a lot, a lot of good. So, um, Take your time, digest it, and uh, really let it sink in what he's talking about early on with finding that job and not necessarily settling for what's available. Going into more of the studying with the boards, with your tests, you know, utilizing the podcast, utilizing his platforms because they're, you know, they're invaluable. They help, but it's got to resonate with you. If it doesn't work for you, that's okay. I don't think he's offended by that either. 
It's just he has this great information out here for you to use. Uh, but before I let you go, with every guest I have on here, I like to ask them a couple pearls they give. And yours, I can imagine we've covered a ton already. <laughs> so I usually kind of try to, to taper it towards either students or either professionals. I'm going to give free reign to you. If you could give one or two pearls of wisdom to whether it's a student who just got in, whether it's a student who's just finding a job, or whether it's a professional out there, you know, what, what would you say to them? So for, for me, I think there are probably two main things. And we've touched on both throughout this, right? The first one is find the skills you're going to need and realize those are skills and you can learn them and get better at them. It doesn't matter what that is. So let's pretend if you're a new student, you're going to be taking lots of tests over the next couple of years, right? You take quizzes and tests two, three, four times a week. If you can get a little better at that, just the skill of test taking itself, if you can get a little better at managing your anxiety on test day, if you can get a little better at studying it, sitting in lectures and actually retaining something out of your lectures, it's a little bit less wasted time. Um, all of those little, little things of improvement, especially to me, for you, uh, as new PA students, you have anything you learn now as far as is skill-based, you get to use for a longer period of time, right? So people who start to learn how to take tests better the day before their pants, well, I can't help them. You know, they're not going to make big up, make huge ground that day. But I think it's that incremental process of getting better at those skills that's really important. And then part two of that is, it just sort of jumps off of there, is that your ability to work with other people and to be a team player is so significant and so important. We get so focused on the medicine and so focused on uh, everything you have to learn in the books. And I totally get that. I, I mean, I, you have to learn that. That's the groundwork, right? That's the basics. You can't get by without that. But the next piece is your interpersonal skills. It's ingratiating yourself with your fellow students, with your teachers, with your, you know, your medical assistants, with your x-ray techs, with all those people over time, it will make things so much easier for you when those people are trying to help you rather than either indifferent to you or worse, like you said before, trying to make your day miserable. Um, and you will get all of those people as you go through your journey, right? So the more you can improve and work on those skills, and like I said, and even seeing patients, I did a lot of work in learning how to talk to patients so they would take me seriously because I looked really young when I walked through the door. And it's fun to watch those skills get better and be able to turn people around. So I think that's what I would want people to take away from is realize that all of these things you think other people do well are things that they've practiced. It may not seem like it, but they have. And you can get better at them also. Again, you may not turn into a rock star at test taking, but you can get better than where you are. And same thing with interpersonal skills. Even if you're a little timid naturally, a little shy, you can make little steps out there. You know, it's one of the things I think rotations are so good for is you can try to talk to people. You can try to put yourself out there because in four weeks you're gone. So who cares if you screw it up? You can try to make it work. And in these little teeny, in school especially, you're in this little uh, contained safe zone kind of, right? So you can work on those kind of skills. And I think you can make some really big improvements on things that will last a whole lifetime. Uh, and like I said, the medicine's important, but some of that's going to come and go. Those skills will stay with you forever. Absolutely awesome, man. I, I couldn't agree more. I'm excited to kind of start doing that myself. Um, man, thank you so much for joining us. It, it really was great having you. It was really exciting when you responded to my email. I honestly didn't think it would happen. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, it's nice to get out here and chat about this. And uh, everybody who's listening out there on PA Pod, I'm going to plug in, again, the Physician Assistant Exam Review platforms. That's both a website 
physicianassistantexamreview.com. Also, Physician Assistant Exam Review Podcast. I listen on Apple Podcasts. It's available on a lot of different streaming platforms. And if you haven't already, uh, please go give PAPod underscore podcast a follow on Instagram so I can update you on all the episodes coming out and keep track with what we're, uh, what we're coming out with so you can find the stuff that's going to help you out along the way. Um, again, Brian, thank you so much, man. We appreciate you coming on. Hey, James, this couldn't have been a little more fun. I had a ton of fun. I'm glad you let me just ramble on at times. Uh, I really just appreciate it. it was, this was, like I said, so much fun to get to talk to, uh, you know, a new grad, or not a new grad, a new PA student coming out, getting started. Obviously, you have a, a background in PT, so you have some, some groundwork underneath you. But it's just been really exciting to me, for me, uh, to get to share a little bit of the path ahead for you uh, and where things are going to be going. So thank you so much for that. I really do appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. Absolutely, man. It was our pleasure. Thank you.